Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, January 19th, 2023. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverins and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Thursdays, we always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's try to visit the Blessed Sacrament sometime today. It doesn't have to be a long visit. Just stop in and say hello to our Lord. Try to do it today or sometime this week if you can. Now, uh, as we've been talking about for days, uh, 2022 was a big year for the pro-life movement. Relevant Radio's nearly 500 million memorares uh, offered for an end to abortion is truly just the beginning of making our country truly pro-life. In celebration of the overturning of Roe v. Wade and its uh, continued prayer for an end to abortion in every state, the March for Life in Washington, D.C. is taking place uh, tomorrow on Friday. Join this new beginning by signing up to pray and fast in solidarity with all those many marchers at relevantradio.com slash fast and receive our free downloadable booklet, uh, The Choice is Love, to help you answer some of the most pressing questions uh, facing the abortion debate with uh, compassion and uh, church-grounded teachings. We've been hearing from people from all across the country uh, all this week, uh, and, and across the world for that matter. Here's what the, some of the folks uh, who are participating are saying. Tammy from uh, Kerrville, Texas uh, says, Fasting from electronic devices and sources, and she's going to spend more time praying for life. Uh, Roger from Davenport, Iowa writes, I will be fasting old school, uh, uh, a small meal and only drink water throughout the day. And Sister Marge from Wisconsin writes, I will get out of bed right away instead of hitting the snooze button a couple of times. I will uh, tackle some of the household chores that I put up. I will pray the memorari throughout the day and pray to Our Lady of Guadalupe for protection for all human life. So join us uh, tomorrow, Friday, uh, for hashtag uh, Fast for Life. You can sign up this morning at relevantradio.com slash fast. And of course, you can always find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. And you can send us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. Want to bring in our morning air team, as always, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines here on this Thursday morning? Well, it might get you thinking about your own credit card bill a little bit. The U.S. Uh, running up that debt uh, past the limit. Uh, are we going to extend that or not seems to be the question. We have a, a $31 trillion debt limit. We'll bump into that today. Congress considering raising that limit to keep uh, the U.S. from going into default, so it sets up a, an argument between the White House and Congress over that. It is uh, a battle. It's uh, it's a battle uh, between President Biden and his the administration and House Republicans led uh, by the new Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Uh, you know, Glenn, uh, I understand that th this is really sort of an artificial uh, a cap that lawmakers uh, have uh, increased many, many times, something like 80 times since the 1960s. 
Yeah, and that'll probably happen again as well. But uh, yeah, government spending uh, for social programs and especially for Vietnam uh, in the 60s uh, really got us kind of used to really raising that limit time after time after time. And now if they bust through that, we've still got until June before the government would actually kind of run out of money. But what they do is they sell more government bonds and uh, do some accounting tricks. And uh, so life will continue. What would happen if uh, there would be a default? Uh, it won't. It won't. You know, you know it's seen as, uh, you know, U.S. money is good and the U.S. government is good uh, for its, uh, its debts. And uh, it, it just won't happen. It won't happen. I mean, you know, theoretically, you'd be like, you know, if a big bank fails and then other, you know, people that have borrowed money, you know, they, their loans go away and all of that stuff. And so uh, things would come tumbling down, but that, that won't happen. Well, most people can't relate to the uh, 30-plus trillion dollars in debt. Uh, the average person can't imagine uh, what a 68,000-slice uh, pizza looks like either. <laughs> quite, quite the picture, my goodness. Tell us more pizza aficionado, Sarah. Yeah, no, the Pizza Hut, in order to promote a new pizza line that they're coming out with, decided that they were going to make the biggest pizza that's ever been made. They're trying to break the record. And uh, here's a clip of the president of Pizza Hut kind of explaining what they're doing here. It's about 14,000 square feet. So if you think about that, it's going to be like 68,000 slices of pizza when we're all done. And the great thing is none of it's going to waste. We can actually donate it to some local food banks here in the Los Angeles community. So we're really excited about that. And that's so nice that they're going to be donating some of that to the to the homeless there. I wonder if there's going to be like a line to get a bite of that big pizza because, I mean, there's going to be a lot of slices, 68,000. I don't know if there's that many homeless out there in the Los Angeles area. So maybe someone else can take a bite off that pizza. Wow. I mean, uh, this is really, really big. Um, I'm looking at a picture of it. It, it looks like it takes up uh, – like half a football field. I mean, it's it is it is massive. You, you got to wonder uh, just how much cheese, uh, and I think it has pepperonis, right? It surely does, yeah, a lot and of pepperoni it would there. be interesting to see. And we were you have to do some math to figure out how much pepperoni the circumference of one pepperoni is to fourteen thousand square feet. I'm not that good at math, so we'll leave that to some of the other experts. I'm I'm doing some quick math there, figuring okay, a frozen pizza, a little over a square foot, but say it's a square foot there's 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 13 on the the brand I, I usually get to at the bottom of the freezer before I go to the grocery store and get some real food and uh, you know so we're looking at probably 150,000 pieces of pepperoni perhaps wow that is absolutely incredible <laughs> uh, do you think this will inspire uh, some uh, moms out there who uh, like to make a homemade pizza like my wife Cindy uh, to maybe make uh, a larger more jumbo like pizzas uh, probably not you know maybe they make the get a couple of those dough packages and put it together and that'll be the biggest one that your oven can do but they they were having this mechanical uh, device go over the pizza as it was all getting done so it was bubbling it was getting cooked as they were still finishing up the second half of the pizza and so forth so that's not really the technology that we have in the house but it's nice to make a pizza everybody likes making their own pizza you don't have that technology yet yeah yet. <laughs> what's your favorite i think the lord meant for pizza to be covered in meat so uh you know all the different kinds of meat i like that you know keep your veggies they're for a salad on the side, but uh, it's good. Nah, <laughs> good to keep some veggies, right? On the side is fine. Yes, I don't <laughs> mind veggies on the side. Pepperoni is always a big favorite in our family. Absolutely, uh, cheese and pepperoni, extra cheese, uh, as always. Uh, 
Thanks so much. Really do appreciate it. Uh, and uh, more pizza next hour. We begin uh, every morning, always in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, uh, as we've been uh, talking about, to tomorrow is the National March for Life in Washington, D.C. Tens of thousands of young people from all over the country will be on hand for this first march since a rove was overturned. And one of those young people is 18-year-old Hope Miller, uh, who's been following in the footsteps of her late legendary grandfather, Joe Shadler, the founder of the Pro-Life Action League, and at her young age is already doing some amazing work in the pro-life movement. Hope Miller uh, is uh, also the host of a podcast called The Hope Miller Show on Spotify. She's a public speaker. I spoke to uh, Hope Miller before leaving for the March for Life in our nation's capital. And good morning, Hope. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm, back. I'm glad to be back. Hope, I'm I'm so glad to be able to uh, to catch up with you as you are headed uh, for Washington for this uh, big historic March for Life, uh, the first one since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. What does it mean for you uh, that has been involved in this uh, pro-life cause for such a long time and you're following in the footsteps of your late grandfather, the great legendary pro-life leader, Joe Scheidler's footsteps? What does it mean to be headed to this march? Oh, gosh. Um, well, for me lately, it's kind of been feeling like, a, you know, when you're in one of those races and they hand off the baton to the next person, you got to finish the race. That's kind of how this march feels for me. Um, you know, my grandpa started, uh, you know, activism right when Roe um, was instated. And, and and for me, seeing it be overturned um, two years after he passed away is crazy. Um, but, it, you know, it feels like, you know, I've been handed off that baton and I'm finishing the race. And, I think that's what it means for me personally, but as as a whole in the movement, um, I, I I don't I don't even know how to put it into words. It's going to be really interesting to be there um, in person on Friday with all these people after such a victory. I think it's going to be a real big celebration. A lot of anticipation. Uh, it's been described as uh, historic, obviously, because there's never been a march after uh, Roe has been overturned. How do you figure it's going to be uh, different? Do you think you'll you'll have a different feeling this time around? Yeah, I think, I think like I said, it's just going to be a lot more joy this time around, a lot more hope, um, you know, actually seeing some sort of finish line, some sort of progress that we're really making in these things. And, you know, um, I want to go there and, you know, appeal to the Supreme Court to take it one step further and just make abortion illegal in America, period. Um, and, and I've connected with so many people 
um, because of the overturning of Roe. I'm really excited to meet all those people in person in D.C. So I think it'll be one big reunion and celebration. Well, Hope, uh, obviously, uh, this is not uh, your first uh, March for Life. Uh, you've been involved in, in the cause for such a long time. How many have you uh, attended in the past uh, in, in D.C., and what number would this be? Uh, for D.C., I think this is my third or fourth year going. It might be my fourth year going. Yeah, so this, yeah, for sure, this will be my fourth year. Um, and obviously, I've been to countless other marches locally in the Midwest, but um, you know, D.C. is always so special. Well, I know that uh, your uh, late grandfather Joe Shadler, uh, who was one of the one of the true great uh, heroes and pioneers, he inspired uh, me personally to get involved in the pro life movement, and uh, I have great memories of marching with uh, uh, Joe uh, right next to me in the middle of all those people uh, through uh, through the uh, the march, and so it's a, it's a, some great memories, and I'm sure for you there'll be a lot of memories of uh, your your grandpa as well oh yeah for sure um we have a picture from the first time i went to, to washington dc with him and and i'm sure that'll be circulating a little bit but um yeah it's I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. Now, there's always a, a ton of events uh, surrounding the March for Life, and you are actually going to be speaking at the Law of Life Summit there in D.C. Uh, the day before uh, the National March for Life. Uh, how special is this? What does it mean for you? Um, a lot. It, I'm actually really excited for that. Um, I'm really blessed with the opportunity. I, I this is, I've done a lot of speaking around the Midwest, you know, St. Louis, Illinois, Wisconsin, but the, you know, for the first time, I'm taking it out of the Midwest, um, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm, I'm actually working on starting my own nonprofit right now, um, so I'm going to be able to have the opportunity to do some great networking and meet a lot of really great people who have done fantastic things and learn from them. And so the opportunity to speak really puts me out there um, and to be able to connect with these with these people. Um, it's going to be an amazing event, and I'm just I'm so thrilled about it. What are you going to be talking about uh, at, at this uh, Law of Life Summit? Um, I'll give you a little sneak peek. Um, I would say um, the kind of theme I'm going for is if we act and if we speak and if we vote in a way that is pro-life, our country will be pro-life. But to take it a step simpler, um, to do simple actions, to say simple things, and to simply vote is going to make it a whole lot easier for each of us to do the big things. Well, I'm sure that you'll do great, uh, Hope. I think the good Lord is preparing you for the big stage. One of these days, you'll be speaking in front of the whole world at the National March for Life. I would love that. That's what we're working towards. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the theme for this year's uh, National uh, March. Uh, it's called Next Steps, uh, Marching in a Post-Row America. What do you see uh, from a, a young uh, pro-life uh, leader's perspective as uh, some of the next steps in this battle for the culture of life? I think that the battle is much more personal now. Um, one huge thing I noticed when Roe was overturned was the fact that people were talking, you know, they were talking about abortion um, amongst their co-workers, their, their friends, their family, um, and that's huge. And I think that how we live our day-to-day -day lives and how we speak of the unborn and, and the women involved, and um, that, that's going to be a huge turning point, I think. It's, it's much more personal. Um, because now it's state by state, and, and even smaller than that, it's person by person. 
Um, and that's how I've been viewing the battle since Roe has been overturned, um, is just a much more personal battle. Um, it's, it's not enough to just say you're pro-life. You have to be pro-life now. What have you heard uh, on the ground in your dealings with other young people, with other teenagers? I know you've even uh, held a, a conference uh, specifically for teenagers. What are they saying after Roe was overturned? Uh, well, I, I think probably pretty similar things. I think, you know, some people are, you know, a little bit confused thinking that the battle's over, but it's not. Um, and But I think for the most part, the youth really felt encouragement and hope when it was truly overturned. Um, for for me, I think it's huge that, um, you know, the, the people before us, you know, they set the stage for us. Um, you know, the, the generations before us uh, did a lot of really great things to help get Roe overturned. And I think we're all kind of feeling that, you know, it's now up to us to finish it. Um, so I think we got a little fire under our tail and are ready to finish this thing off. One of the things that we can never uh, forget is the 64 plus million unborn children that have uh, died since Roe v. Wade. And this uh, March for Life, this historic march will be a uh, well, a never-ending reminder of that reality. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that uh, oftentimes uh, the staggering number is, is forgotten uh, among uh, our, our, our nation and, and even in the pro-life movement. It's not something that's always uh, talked about, but the, the, it's real. It's, it's almost impossible to put one's head around it because it's such a large number. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that we, we can actually truly grasp that number, you know, how many little diagrams we make and, oh, each coat hanger, you know, means 10 children. I don't think it's ever going to hit us how many children have been lost to abortion and how many women have been hurt by it. Um, and I think that's a little bit scary um, that we'll never really understand the gravity of it. And I think that if everyone understood the gravity of it, um, it, it would be it would honestly be really, really depressing um, but all we can do is, you know, try and decrease the number of abortions going forward because there's nothing we can change about the past. Um, we can pray and dignify those unborn babies, though, and that's what I'll continue to do for the babies that have been lost to abortion. Now, Hope, uh, you've been involved in the pro-life movement uh, for the majority of your young life. You're only 18 years old. Can you uh, tell us how you got involved originally with the movement and how it's uh, affected and how it's changed your life? Yeah, so with my grandpa being the godfather of the pro-life movement, I, I going to different pro-life events and, you know, things like that was a frequent activity in my home. Um, but as I kind of got older and started realizing, you know, how things worked, I uh, started realizing how great of an injustice it truly was. You know, when you're little and you're told, oh, you know, we don't want people to hurt babies anymore. You know, you're like, okay, yeah, I'll go to the protest with mom. But as you get older and you realize what's actually happening to not only the, the unborn baby, but to the women as well, um, you can't just not say anything. You can't just sit idly by and not do anything. Um, so as I got a little bit older, I started doing activism alongside my grandpa um, and my grandma. And, and I continue to do activism alongside my grandma. We're actually going to D.C. together. Um, and uh, I started doing, you know, just small things with them. Um, I got to, you know, I kind of started doing front lines action as well. Um, and, and it just kind of blossomed from there, you know, uh, different opportunities. I interned with Abby Johnson. Um, I'm going into an internship with Illinois for Life. I continue to work for my grandma, starting my own nonprofit, 
hosting my own events and things like that, uh, speaking opportunities that I'm eternally grateful for. It just it just kind of continues from there, and and it is it sounds kind of funny, but it is a blessing to work um, for such a you know a just fight. Well, there's no question, uh, Hope, uh, that you've been blessed to be around uh, some of uh, the many greats, uh, the great leaders be- of the pro-life movement, beginning uh, with, with your grandfather. How how, uh, how special is it to be able to learn from people like Abby Johnson, whom you uh, recently uh, uh, was involved in that internship with? Uh, the, I mean, Abby Johnson is, is one of the m- most important voices in our country, uh, having been a former Planned Parenthood Employee of the Year and now... Uh, such a strong uh, voice for the unborn in our country. Um, it's it's a blessing to work alongside, you know, any pro-life activist, but Abby is, you know, such, you know, she's going to be a friend forever. Um, she, she's so, she's so smart. She's been through so much. Um, of course, you know, being able to work alongside my uncle Eric as well has just been an honor. Um, but, you know, what I've realized is that every single activist, you know, moves mountains um, and and to hear their different stories and, you know, um, how they're helping to make a difference is one of my favorite things about the movement, uh, connecting with so many unique people. Um, Lauren Muzika, you know, the founder of Sidewalk Advocates for Life, I I recorded a podcast with her and she was just wonderful. Um, Emily Burning, um, she's the founder of Let Them Live. And same thing, I recorded a podcast with her and she was just wonderful. You could check that out. It's the Hope Miller Show. Um, you know, being able to just talk to people who have different stories, different involvement, um, you know, have helped the pro-life movement in different ways, uh, truly just helps me learn as much as I can um, so that way I can go forward and do the best I can for this movement. Well, you're using your podcast, you're using social media uh, to reach a, a lot of uh, folks, especially uh, the youth, uh, the, the post-row generation. Uh, can you talk about uh, some of your goals in your outreach and educating and inspiring, uh, especially the young people, about the importance of this movement? Well, a little bit about my outreach is that I just want to encourage people to do simple things uh, for the movement throughout the day. Um, you know, great great changes are, are just a simple, you know, a series of small things added up, um, you know, that make the big difference. And, and sometimes getting involved in the pro-life movement can kind of be intimidating. You know, we feel like we have to go into it full time, which is definitely a calling for some people um, like myself. Um and, and sometimes we feel like we have to be, you know, posting on social media and an active speaker and things like that. And and while that is definitely a calling for some people, some people are just called to the smaller things. And um, and those small things are going to, you know, be what's going to change this movement as a whole, um, you know, doing the little things with extra love. And, and so that's what I've been encouraging to the youth recently um, in my different events and on social media is just showing them small ways to be pro-life like when cvs and walgreens came out and said that they would be you know um selling the abortion pill or you know you know get, getting it out of their clinics or yeah um i made these little cards that had abortion pill reversal information um and i put them in cvs and walgreens and then i emailed the uh document to print those to a bunch of young people who wanted them and that was a very very small way but you know it could save a baby, and that's huge. Your grandfather would be so proud of you. I uh, hope every little bit uh, helps. Uh, in these final moments uh, that we have, uh, maybe some words of encouragement uh, uh, for uh, young kids uh, who might feel a little timid 
uh, about speaking up because there's so much peer pressure. Uh, there's so much stuff out there in the in the in social media and the mainstream media that that makes you think that uh, if you're pro-life, you know, you're you're kind of uh, on the outside looking in. Well, my mom just gave me this bit of advice recently, and it was just to you know turn it on them you know, you're not the weird one for being pro-life. You know, you're valuing and dignifying all human life. That's not weird or wrong. Um, And have the confidence in that. But even bigger than that, start somewhere small. You know, do something simple to help the movement, uh, you know, just in your own time or do it with a, you know, a solid group of friends. But in speaking up and saying something, remember that you're on the right side of this battle in history um, and to have confidence and courage in that. Well, Hope Miller, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to be with us. Uh, many blessings uh, in your travels uh, to our nation's capital, and I'm sure you'll do a great job uh, uh, speaking there in D.C. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And that was the uh, quite impressive Hope Miller, 18-year-old pro-life activist, the host of the Hope Miller Show podcast on Spotify, and the teenage granddaughter of the late legendary Joe Shadler, the founder of the Pro-Life Action League. We need to take a short break when we come back. Sean Carney, the president and co-founder of 40 Days for Life, will be with us. He'll be talking about uh, his speaking at the West Coast Walk for Life in San Francisco, and he'll also share his perspective on a post-row America. So stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Thursday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. More of Morning Air after this. This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Jeremiah 29, 13. The Old Testament prophet says, You shall seek me and shall find me when you shall seek me with all your heart. This is what true devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ is all about. It's about giving Jesus the Lord your entire heart, not just going through the motions. It's about seeking Christ with everything you have, uh, making Jesus the Lord number one in your life, then everything else will fall into place. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. That's 888 As we've been uh, talking about uh, all week, uh, beginning uh, with uh, tomorrow, Friday, and this weekend, we're going to see tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people attend the March for Life in Washington, D.C., as well as the West Coast Walk for Life in San Francisco, uh, the first national marches since Roe was overturned last summer. Now, this is a big sign of hope when you consider all the hundreds of attacks on pregnancy centers and churches, all the pro-abortion bills uh, that have been passed uh, by uh, Congress, and the continuous support uh, from our Catholic president to the abortion industry. According to our next guest, June 24th, 2022, was one of the greatest days in the history of the U.S., as reported by Fox News. The decision is out. It's been issued by Justice Alito. 
and Roe v. Wade, according to our reports from the U.S. Supreme Court and our own Shannon Bream, is that Roe v. Wade has been overturned and the question of abortion has been returned to the states. What a truly historic moment. It's a shame that it was even necessary. Joining us live from Houston, Texas, for much more perspective is Sean Carney, the president, CEO, and co-founder of 40 Days for Life that has saved nearly 23,000 babies uh, since 2007. Sean is also the co-author of the top-rated Christian book, 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do, and his more recent book, What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to discussing abortion. Good morning, Sean. Thanks uh, so much for joining us. It is great to be with you once again here in the new year in anticipation of a big uh, pro-life weekend. That's right. It's it's good to be on, and I think we're going to have a a really good weekend across the country, not just in D.C. Well, Sean, I love uh, your outstanding uh, publication, uh, your 40 Days for Life publication, Day 41. I I read it uh, when it comes in the mail on a regular basis. Uh, You wrote uh, in this most recent edition uh, that June 24th, 2022, was one of the greatest days in the history of the United States. Can you give us your your take on uh, the reality that uh, it was even needed? Yeah, that's the sobering reality, is that it was it was needed. And uh, the title of that article is, is God Have Mercy on Us, because it really should be a year um, that we give thanksgiving, that we uh, are in this time period of history and we witness the overturning of Roe versus Wade, while never forgetting the shameful reality that we, once again as a country, uh, our Supreme Court dehumanized an entire segment of our population for 49 years and this wasn't due to making them slaves uh, like Dred Scott did, uh, but to give us the license to exterminate them uh, through abortion. And so, um, you know, mercy, I think, is a, is a good theme. And, and also Thanksgiving, um, that Roe was overturned. It was sent back to the states. We now have abortion-free states. We'll have abortion-free regions. We're going to see a lot of abortion facilities close. Uh, there's much work to be done. We all know that. Um, but we can never forget what is what has happened uh, to to the victims of abortion, the babies, and and the women, and and many of the workers. Sean, uh, yeah, we can never forget the uh, 64 million uh, reported ab- aborted babies uh, since uh, Roe. Uh, it's a number that the average person can't even begin to imagine to put into perspective. No, but, but, uh, you can't. You can't, you know, in a local abortion facility may do 30 or 40 abortions a a week Uh, in a major city. That would be 30 or 40 abortions a day. And we can certainly, you know, relate to that. Uh, We can relate to the to the 2000 uh, abortions that happen every day in the the United States. But 64 million is an overwhelming number. And that's why we've just never seen anything like this. We, We have never seen a Holocaust on this scale through the math alone that is supported by over 95% of the governments throughout the world. And, and that's, why, uh, that's, that's why we fight on, on behalf of the unborn. That's why we have, to, we have to pray. We have to fast. It is a spiritual battle, uh, and we have to show up. And, and I think that that uh, more than ever will, will happen this weekend um, at the March for Life, at the West Coast Walk for Life. 
and and through all these state and local marches. The state and local marches are more important in a post-Roe America than they ever have been. Well, uh, Sean, you know, some people uh, still ask the question, uh, if Roe was overturned last year, why do we still march and why do we still walk? Uh, How would you uh, explain this to, to those folks? Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that sentiment as far as when we walk and when we march. I think this year, obviously, you know, it's, it's sort of a little bit of a victory lap in Washington, D.C., uh, but I would love to see the date of the marches move to the Dobbs case. I have zero interest in keeping the Roe v. Wade anniversary on life support. Um, I don't want to remind our country that we had abortion for 49 years as a precedent. I think that the abortion industry will use that. Uh, on the row anniversary, and I just don't want to highlight it. I, I would love to see them move it to one of the greatest days in the history of our country, June 24th, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Also, the birthday of the great Nellie Gray, who was the founder of the March for Life. And so I would love to see it move. Um, I'm not in charge of the March for Life, obviously, but uh, I know they're talking about it. I think it would be so cool to have it uh, for Dobbs because we don't we don't march for the anniversary of Dred Scott, which gave us slavery. Uh, we march for the Emancipation Proclamation that freed the slaves, and I'd love to see our movement follow that same path. And it surely would be a lot warmer uh, in June uh, than it traditionally <laughs> well, is, especially so in D.C. in January. That's right. That's, that's the obvious thing. Our Lord is trying to grant us warmth, so we should accept it as a gift. Uh, Sean, um, There's going to be a victory lap, like you said, in D.C., but also on the West Coast. You're going to be one of the speakers at the West Coast Walk for Life in San Francisco. Can you give us a sneak peek of uh, what you're going to uh, talk to the folks about? Yeah, I mean, this post-Roe era that we're in is very reactionary, and it's great because we pro-lifers have had to be disappointed and reactionary you know, in in Washington over the years with abortion. And now the abortion industry is reactionary. And what that's causing is places like New York and California basically trying to compete with one another to become the abortion capital of the Western Hemisphere. So I'll I'll be addressing that and how what the Supreme Court did was they got this finally out of D.C. and out of the Supreme Court and sent it back to the states and that's where the pro-life movement is the strongest. I mean, it's just like countless disappointment over the years of Supreme Court nominees, of presidents, of Congress not defunding Planned Parenthood. And now it's leaving D.C. and it's going to where we're the strongest uh, in the grassroots. And the abortion industry is the weakest. I mean, Planned Parenthood closed 36 percent of their locations the last 10 years. And yet we've seen pregnancy resource centers just bloom throughout the country. They now outnumber abortion providers five to one, and that's going to shoot up in the next year. So um, it's going to our strength. Well, Sean, um, I know that uh, 40 Days for Life is uh, constantly making adjustments uh, at halftime, and uh, you guys have made a a big adjustment with this new campaign uh, outside of CVS and uh, Walgreens, uh, in addition to the uh, traditional abortion facilities. Can you uh, share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, unfortunately, we've had to adjust because CVS and Walgreens announced that they would become the largest abortion providers in the United States uh, overnight by dis- dispensing the RU46 uh, abortion 
uh, pills. And so we have opened it up for hundreds of leaders who don't currently have a 40 Days for Life campaign or maybe their abortion facility closed. Uh, They have the option now to host a 40 Days for Life outside of their local CVS or Walgreens. We've had a lot of enthusiasm uh, over this. It's a great opportunity uh, to uh, share information about abortion pill reversal, which now has over 50% success rate and will be needed more than ever in a post-Roe America. So we announced that uh, this week and we've gotten a great response and we're we're very excited about it, but unfortunately, but it's it's with it's with a heavy heart because I have no idea why. It's, there's one thing corporate America applauding abortion and sort of being woke. It's another thing for them to actively start doing abortions, and that's what CVS and Walgreens are doing, sadly. And uh, Sean, um, the average person is not aware of the potential damages that uh, th- these abortion pills uh, can uh, bring uh, to to women, and, and really uh, affect our our society. Oh, absolutely! The, the psychological and emotional trauma that we have received from this, because this isn't a surgical abortion. The woman often passes the baby alone. Uh, she sees the baby, which she's always shocked at. These these pills do abortions up to 10 weeks. And she could be at her home. She could be at a movie theater. She could be at a shopping mall. We've gotten reports from everywhere where women are, and the baby actually passes, and they witness it. CVS and Walgreens don't care about that. It's all bottom line. There's tons of complications, by the way. Um, women are constantly going to the ER. They're constantly calling Planned Parenthood's because it's very painful. And I don't know if the guy working at the front desk of CVS at 11 o'clock at night is going to answer those calls or not, but it's really going to be a disaster. I think they're also going to have some legal issues with conscience rights of their employees. So it's not a good move for CVS and Walgreens. And we're definitely going to be there to give women the, the options to get out of these, these dangerous abortion drugs. Well, Sean, I want to invite um, some of our listeners, uh, if you are passionate about defending life, uh, if you plan on going to either the March for Life in D.C. or the West Coast Walk for Life in San Francisco, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any thoughts about the end of Roe and the future of abortion, we're taking your calls for 40 Days for Life President and CEO Sean Carney at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're take a, a short break as we continue our conversation with Sean. Stay with us. There's more to come here on Morning Air after this timeout. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Jump into the conversation. Call 888 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We're talking about the issue of life, uh, uh, post-Roe America, and the future of this battle for the culture of life uh, with our good friend, Sean Carney, the president and co-founder of 40 Days for Life. If you want to be part of the conversation, once again, our number, 888-914-9149. 
Sean, uh, with everything that is going on, all of uh, these attacks uh, from uh, the abortion advocates, a big abortion now, uh, a big pharma, um, Planned Parenthood, uh, the the politicians, how do we keep our heads up uh, as pro-lifers? We need to know that we're winning. That's why all of this is happening. CBS and Walgreens a year ago were not thinking about getting into the abortion industry. Um, this is a this is very reactionary. They did not expect the overturning of Roe. We did. And this is this is part of winning is new problems and new challenges. And that's exactly what's happening. So I'll take the new problems because it means we're in a post Roe America. Um, and we had a lot of abortion supporters asleep at the wheel in our country. We, we really take that for granted as pro-life Americans because it means so much to us as Catholics and always has. But many abortion supporters were very passive. Uh, they weren't active. They were like, well, I, maybe I wouldn't have an abortion, but it should be a right. And now they're engaged. And so we're dealing with that. And we're dealing with big pharma and Amazon and mail order abortions and all these things. We knew all those were coming. And those are just new challenges because we're in a we're in a post row America. But I believe abortion will end and, and is ending. Um, you, you only are going to hear about the bad news, but the reality is that distance is a huge deterrent. We know that. Um, and women are not going to travel to California. Some will, and you'll see them on CNN, but the majority of them, you've got to do a lot of abortions to keep an abortion facility open. And they simply are just not going to have the numbers that they've, that they've had for the last 49 years. And so, uh, we're going to see Planned Parenthood dump some real estate. We're going to see a consolidation of abortion businesses. Um, there's going to be a shift. 40 Days for Life is in perfect position for a post-row America. And we've added campaigns since Dobbs overturned Roe. So uh, we're, we're very excited. And we think that we're going to have not just abortion-free states, but abortion-free regions in our country. And one last point, particularly in these great Catholic countries in Africa and Nigeria, uh, Africa and, and uh, uh, Latin America, where America and England have gone in and told them to stop breeding and given them contraception and given them abortion. Those countries, uh, you know, in Africa and in Latin America are so inspired by the overturning of Roe because we gave them this garbage. And they don't resent us for it. They, they also want the solution to it. And they're so excited that America, who helped spread abortion around the world, has overturned Roe. So there's a lot of challenges, um, but they're challenges from a, from a disposition of victory. No question about it. Uh, the tide is turning. Uh, life is winning in America, even though the mainstream media does not report on it. Uh, joining us this morning uh, from Queens is Rosemary. Rosemary, welcome to uh, Morning Air. You're on with Sean Carney. All right. I'm talking about senior citizens and people who are maybe handicapped or something. I'm a senior citizen. I used to be in the pro-life in my, in my parish. But it fell apart. I mean, we had a big storm and uh, everybody's house fell apart and then people were moved out of here for a while until they rebuilt and all that. So um, that happened in the Rockaways. And uh, I asked my pastor a couple of years ago, it was a new pastor he had just arrived. And he, he said, uh, yes, he, he was into it, but not at that very moment. Well, he had just arrived. 
So anyway, I want to know how how could somebody like me jumpstart something more local in New York? We're New York City, and younger people do go up to Manhattan and stand outside that clinic where the where the priest gets arrested all the time for being there. The main the main clinic where she started Planned Parenthood at. But we can't even do that. Probably we probably need to be home more, praying and and having a local in Brooklyn thing. Sean, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, first off, um, in Queens we had forty days for life campaigns, and the abortion facilities actually closed. I've been to those campaigns. There were two abortion facilities separated only by a, a Dunkin' Donuts, and we had campaigns there for for years. They ended up closing. So I would definitely I agree with you. I think she needs to find something uh, closer. Um, Brooklyn, we have 40 Days for Life campaigns throughout the New York area, a great campaign, uh, including Manhattan, as she mentioned. But if you can't make it to Manhattan, find uh, find one in Brooklyn or find one in one of the boroughs, um, because I know that they're they're available. And this is this is what it shifts to, John, is places like New York. I mean, they're just clamoring to do more abortions and what's going to happen is Planned Parenthood is going to dump real estate in Tennessee and Kentucky and Texas and Arkansas, and they're going to go and try to build all these abortion facilities on the borders of New York and California, and they're just not going to have the market to sustain it. I really predict they're going to overbuild. We see this on the border of New Mexico. There's like now eight abortion facilities. I mean, near El Paso, and as a Texan, I mean, El Paso is a, a big city, but it's not that big. You can't support eight abortion facilities on the border uh, in the middle of the desert. So um, we're, we're going to see that in, in places like New York. And that's why it is so crucial that the locals do do something, that they continue and they don't get discouraged. And California is the biggest state for 40 Days for Life. It always has been. We have more campaigns, more volunteers there than any other state by far. Uh, New York is is a close second. Um, and so it's very, very important that you find your 40 Days for Life campaign. And we have plenty of them throughout uh, the great state of New York. Sean, um, what do you think it's going to take uh, for states like New York, uh, my state, Illinois, uh, California, some of these radical states, uh, these so-called uh, um, havens for abortion uh, to change, uh, to become pro-life? They're not going to, John. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to discourage you. But I mean, we're not making California pro-life through legislation. It's going to require hearts and minds. Uh, California, Illinois, New York, they're all clamoring um, to have infanticide, to deny medical care to a baby girl who survives an abortion. Um, legally, they will be insane. But I will tell you that 40 Days for Life has closed abortion facilities in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, Seattle, London, New York. Um, it doesn't matter if their governors are running around celebrating infanticide all day and threatening to abort a kindergartner, you can still close an abortion facility in, in those liberal pro-abortion states. Uh, have 45% of all the clinics we've closed are in blue pro-abortion states. And so it really will be, this is why <laughs> the Catholic church is so, uh, in tune with natural law in the heart of a mother. That's why the pro-life movement isn't disconnected. Uh, but the abortion movement is. 
They just think women were made for abortion, and it's a sacrament, and they're all in their houses clamoring to get to a state where they can have an abortion. And we know that's not the heart of a woman. Um, this is this, They feel they have no freedom and no choice. And so um, when given the option or when there's distance, it is a deterrent, and that's why hearts and minds are, are more important now than ever. And they can have legal abortion with no abortion facilities. That is very possible in those states. Well, Sean, uh, the battle continues. Uh, the next uh, 40 Days for Life uh, campaign starts on February 22nd. We'll definitely be talking about it as we get closer to that date. Thanks so much uh, for being with us. So much appreciated, Sean. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Thanks again. You too. Sean Carney, the president, CEO, and co-founder of 40 Days for Life. And now it's time for another edition of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called Try This by J. Allen Peterson. Newspaper columnist and minister George Crane tells of a wife who came into his office full of hatred toward her husband. I do not only want to get rid of him, I want to get even. Before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has me. Dr. Crane suggested an ingenious plan. Go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind, considerate, and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe you love him. After you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him that you're getting a divorce. That'll really hurt him. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, Beautiful, beautiful, will he ever be surprised? And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if. For two months, she showed love. Kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing, sharing. When she didn't return, Crane called. Are you ready now to go through with the divorce? Divorce, she exclaimed. Never. I discovered I really do love him. Her actions had changed her feelings. Motion resulted in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by fervent promise as by often repeated deeds. From James 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. As always, Glenn, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, a great story corner. And now coming up uh, next hour here on Morning Air, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, the chief exorcist of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., will join us to share his take on the diabolical SatanCon 2023, the largest satanic gathering in history. Plus, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will be with us to discuss the meaning of the octave of prayer for Christian unity. So stay with us. There is a lot more to come on Morning Air next hour as we continue here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.